It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. So this series is all about us actually claiming the victory that Jesus made possible. I mean, we sung a song, the the song we sang uh, had a lyric in it, uh, the battle is over. And if you sung that, you you might have actually been saying to yourself, if this is true, how come some days I feel like I'm in a battle? Well, the reality is that God won and God gives us the victory, but we actually have to live while we're here on this earth to actually fight to claim that in our daily lives. And so this series is all about setting us up for that. And last week, uh, I ta- I've been a professional Christian for 25 years, and last week we, talk, we, we taught on the devil. I've never actually taught on the devil last week, and uh, it was fun. I loved it. And I uh, hope you did too. If you missed that, then we called it, Who's Picking the Fight?, and this idea of, you know, if we're in a battle, we got to actually know who we're fighting against. And, spoiler, it's the devil. Not, and not just know who we're fighting against, but also understand what that enemy's goal is, which is, by the way, to steal, kill, and destroy, to actually kill, you know, kill dreams, kill future, steal your relationship with God, steal your confidence, steal your hopes, steal your confidence, your faith, um, and then, and then what's his tactics? You know, if you're gonna fight someone, it's good to know what their tactics are. And it's very simple. His preferred tactic, he's got a few, but his preferred tactic is uh, lying. And so we kind of exposed him last week. And if you missed that, you can catch up on any of our podcast or uh, video platforms. But I wanna pick up today where we left off last week. So it, for those of you that weren't here last week, it's cool. I'm gonna catch you all up. And uh, you'll feel like you didn't miss a thing. Not true. So if you've got the Bible app or a paper Bible and uh, an iPhone torch, apparently, then you can open that to Ephesians chapter six. Now, Ephesus uh, was a place in what's now modern day Turkey. It was a, there was a church there and the, the person that uh, was sort of like the leader of leaders, a guy named Paul, and he wrote this letter to that church, a letter of instruction. And I'm gonna drop us in pretty much to the, to, at the end of that letter where he's kind of like wrapping it up like before he signs off. And in verse 10, Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I underlined that last week, in His mighty power. The battles that we fight, we're not just meant to fight them in our own strength. We're not just meant to bootstrap our way through life, but actually lean and access God's mighty power. And the way we do this, Paul says, is to put on the full armor of God, not just a few pieces, not just the ones that feel the most comfortable, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, my favorite sport to watch uh, is NFL. Now, I appreciate not everyone shares my passion for NFL, and I understand a game that has 60 minutes of playing time but takes over four hours to complete, I understand. It's not always gripping television, I get this. But let me, let me, if you're not initiated, there's a peculiar thing that the NFL coaches do. They're on the sidelines 
and uh, they've got a, like a headset mic, a bit more robust than this one, but the same kind of idea. And that's actually wired into the quarterback's, he's got a radio headpiece in his helmet. And so the coach is calling out the next play to the quarterback over this. And the coach does this. They put the, the, the card with the plays on. They put that over their mouth as they're calling out to the, to the, to the quarterback. Now, if you didn't know better, you'd think, what, what's the deal of putting the, the card up to your mouth? Has he got bad breath? Is he is a, you know, now he's like, is it a COVID thing? Which, by the way, the coaches are now required to wear a mask so they don't do this anymore because their mouth's already covered. But when they come out of the pandemic, they're going to be back to doing this. And the reason they do this as they're calling the plays out to the quarterback is so that when their next week's opponent is watching the replay of the game during the week, that they won't be able to hire the services of a lip reader, this is a true story, to actually match up what the coach said by lip reading with the play that the team actually pulled off. So they simply put this, because they understand, the coach understands that the most valuable thing that they have going for them is their playbook. And that if the opposition can get their hands on their playbook or can understand the playbook, then they will have an advantage, almost impenetrable advantage the following week. And that's true for us as well. The devil has schemes. He's got a playbook. He's got things he does. And so it behooves us, it serves us well, for us to actually understand his playbook and then craft our response, craft our battle plan, craft our strategy so that we can not only stand against the devil, but we can actually take further ground. And Paul says, because here's the, here's the thing, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul's trying to make the point that all that we see is not all that there is. That there's actually somebody lurking in the shadows who's got plans who's scheming to take you down and to take you out. And the only way we'll lose that battle is if we choose not to fight or we don't fight well. And so Paul then goes on to unpack what it means to fight well, what weaponry God's actually given us access to that, as I said, not only will cause us to stand our ground against the devil and his schemes, but actually take ground, to actually take ground for God's kingdom, take ground in our lives. And he called it the, the full armor of God. Therefore, repeated, put on the full armor of God so that when the, not if, when, when you get attacked, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. So I've called today's message, Got Your Gear On. And I'm talking here about the full armor of God. Now, I'm gonna do this in 20 minutes to talk about, teach on the full armor of God in 20 minutes. We taught a series in 2017 called Bulletproof, where we spent five weeks unpacking the full armor of God. So I encourage you to go onto our podcast, go back and listen to that um, to get, as I said, a, a much uh, broader and a deeper dive into the subject. But here's 20 minutes and listen hard and I'll preach well, of course. So Paul lists what that full armor of God is. Stand firm then with one, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Two, the breastplate of righteousness in place. Three, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, four, take up the shield of faith 
Five, or so you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Five, take the helmet of salvation. And six, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, Paul's writing this to a group of people who would have actually been uh, colonized, taken over by Romans. And they would have seen Roman soldiers coming and going every single day of their lives. It would have just been normal to see Roman soldiers. So Paul actually uses the metaphor here of the, the, the armors and, and the weaponry that a Roman soldier would have had. And Paul didn't need to explain that to the people of the day because he goes, they go, they go yeah, yeah, helmet, yeah, I've seen that. Yep, shield, got it, yep. This would have been their reference point. But this is the deal. And, and this, this uh, Roman uh, army, it, it's pretty much unprecedented the effectiveness that they had in what ultimately became the Roman Empire. Um, and a lot of it had to do with their armor and their tactics and Paul's making to his audience in Ephesus the reference that this is the most effective thing that we can do and each of these pieces has meaning and each of these pieces is meant to work in concert with the other five pieces. So all I wanna do today is I wanna unpack these um, six pieces. By the way, the breastplate, as you can see, was modeled after my uh, physique as well so I can understand how effective that is from personal experience. So Paul starts with the belt of truth. So, and given that the, the, the number one tactic of the devil is lying, then this makes perfect sense that Paul would tee off with the belt of truth. If you wanna counteract lies, you have to have a reference point of truth. Now here's the thing, you know this, so I'm just gonna play Captain Obvious for a second, but this right now, today, in the culture that we live in, in our current zeitgeist, this is almost impossible. Because in this day and age, you cannot challenge my truth. It's politically incorrect. I can probably sue you. you, you so the, the, the notion or the concept of objective truth has actually been massaged out of our, the culture we live in. You know, I could tell you that I am a seven foot three Romanian shot putter currently training for the Tokyo Olympics and you can't tell me that I'm not, that, that's not true. It's not correct for you to correct me. And here's the thing. If I was the devil, I, I would love this to be the case for people. That, that the notion that something can be true is no longer true that this a certain thing that I believe one former political leader referred to as alternate facts. Like, alternate, yeah, alternate facts. What? But if I was a devil, I'd be like, yeah, I've been wanting to knock you off your game of truth every step of the way so that you don't know what's true and what's not, that you don't have a reference point. And so his lies start to become true in your own narrative. To put on the belt of truth. The, 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 the thing that God says about you, that's the truth. The thing that God says about your future, that's the truth. The thing that God says about who you are in His eyes, that's the truth. The, the thing that God says about how valuable you are, that God's truth. And that will give us the reference point as to whether or not it's a lie or whether or not it's true. So the belt of truth. Then put on the breast plate of righteousness. Before I talk about the function of the breastplate, let me define righteousness because it's kind of a churchy word. 
Really, well, what it means is, is, is us being in a relationship with God. This idea that when, if and when, we've said yes to Jesus. We've said, yes, I believe you are the son of God and I choose to put my faith in you. I choose to follow you. That in that moment, in that exchange, and you know, we ask for forgiveness of sins and Jesus says, yep, you're forgiven. In that moment, our relationship with God is sealed. It's cemented. We are in right relationship with God. We're righteous, okay? But not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf and us accepting that into our own life. So that's righteousness, that we have a right relationship with God. Well, doesn't it make perfect sense then that the devil would wanna drive a wedge between you and God, drive a wedge. And where, and where does he want to drive the wedge? He doesn't just wanna compete for this real estate between our ears, he also wants to compete for this real estate. He wants to say to, to, for you to start believing that you don't belong in a relationship with God. Because, you know, you still do the dumb stuff you were doing before you became a Jesus follower. So, you know, I mean, come on now. I mean, you failed again and again, so like, why would God want you? You're kind of damaged goods. And he wants to drive this wedge between our heart and the heart of God and the breastplate protects us from that. Then he talks about shoes. Now, my uh, six-year-old nephew is a soccer fanatic. He's playing soccer, training, learning, started last year. Well, last year when he started, um, he, he, was, he started his soccer career wearing Nike Air Freeze. Now, if you've ever seen a pair of Nike Air Freeze, they were sort of like the first minimalist footwear, lightweight, this and that. But part of the minimalist design, intentionally, is that there's almost no tread on the bottom of the shoe. So my little nephew, he literally had no braking power. When, when he was running and, and the next move required him to stop. And uh, I gotta say, Uncle Mark, when he went up in the air and fell on his little touche, uh, first few times, it was pretty funny. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it was pretty funny. Don't tell him I said that, but it was pretty funny. Like a six-year-old kid trying to, trying to slam the brakes on and just, boom. <laughs> but... After a few weeks, it wasn't cool. Uh, all of the other kids had proper soccer boots. All of the African kids, mind you, also had their favorite uh, team's kit on from the English Premier League. Boy, they take that stuff seriously. So the family kicked in and we bought our nephew some soccer boots, which have what we call studs. In other countries, they might call them cleats. And all of a sudden, he had not only braking power, the ability to stop, he also had the newfound ability to accelerate, to not just stand when he needed to stand, but also to move forward when he needed to move forward. And Paul talks about the importance of us putting the right footwear on our feet every single day. And in fact, he says that the footwear that we had put on is kind of prepared by us understanding the gospel of peace. This idea that circumstances can knock us around every day. News reports can shake us every single day. Financial challenges, relational issues, anything and everything can come at us every single day and knock us around, 
cause us to feel like we can't stand anymore, cause us to maybe retreat, cause us to maybe feel like we're, we're fallen over. And Paul says, you know, when you understand the gospel of peace and you're standing with that assurance, you can actually not just stand your ground, you can actually take new ground. You won't be moved by circumstance anywhere as easily because you put the right footwear on your feet. This gospel of peace that, that, that says, you know what, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, that Jesus Christ, He's the one you signed up to follow. He's not gonna leave you. He's not gonna walk away from you. And no matter what the circumstances surrounding you are, that truth is the thing that we can actually stand. It's solid ground. It's unmovable. It's unshakable. And so Paul says, says this every single day. Make sure you put that message on your feet and walk around with that ability to stand your ground and to take more ground. Then he talks about the shield of faith. Now, I've said it earlier, a lot of the devil's attacks are lies. They're kind of covert. It's only like you, only you can hear them. However, he does have some overt attacks, which Paul referred to as flaming arrows, attacks on your health, attacks on your kids, attacks on your finances. This week, uh, Wednesday night, I believe it was, Louisa, my uh, fiery Italian, full-blooded Italian wife, came home and she was spun up. Now, when she comes in the door spun up, my first question that I ask to myself is, what have I done wrong? <laughs> I, I kind of go through the mental checklist of the day. What is, is it me? Is it me? Nope, nope, I, I had a good day. I couldn't think of anything that she would be walking in the door spun up about that involved me. And she's like, I called the RAC. I got a, she, there was some adult language peppered in here as well. Um, I got a, another nail in my tire. And I'm like, I, by the way, just pro tip, husbands, just do this. And so I'm doing this. I got, this is the fourth nail I've got in my tire this year. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's, that's a little bit above the national average. I'm thinking, I don't own a car, but I'm, I'm kind of figuring that that's a little bit above the national average. And she says, you know, like literally the devil is just loving this because every time it happens, it's a few hundred bucks that we could spend on something else other than a new tire. Paul calls these flaming arrows, that the enemy is, is there ping, pinging us with flaming arrows. And he says, the thing that you, we need to do is put up the shield of faith as our primary defense. The, the, the worst thing that can happen when these flaming arrows, not if, when these flaming arrows are coming at us, the worst thing that can happen is to allow them to hit our heart. And so Paul says, no, Put up your shield so they hit your shield and don't hit your heart. They hit your shield and don't hit your soul. Now here's, here's a look, uh, again, the, the people that he was writing to at the time, they would have known how this looked, but here's, here's a, 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 an asked impression of um, a Roman a battalion, the way they used their shields. So here's the thing, those, those guys in the first two rows, notice they, they, they don't just stand on their own with their shield up. They actually stand in formation with their shield up. This is called the church. That, that God calls us to actually be battle ready individually and together. Because here's what's happening. Those two, 
I don't know if you can see this, it's a little bit dark, but the, the, the guys in the first two rows, they're actually just sitting there sipping espresso. Uh, a couple of them are having a cigarette um, and a few of them are reading uh, uh, the magazine, a magazine. Because nothing that the enemy is shooting at them is gonna harm them as long as they've got their shields up. So they're just standing there, they're like thinking about what they're gonna do on their holidays, uh, what's for lunch, uh, is it source day yet for annual source making? Like just things that Italians think about. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to, now, has any, did anyone know this is kind of what happens? Who knew, who knew this? You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, exactly. But here's the thing. This was revolutionary because up to this point in history, everyone that the Romans actually fought against went for more of a, a brave heart approach, which was just kind of every man for themselves rushing in with, and the Romans are like, uh, let's just wait a bit. They're gonna run out of arrows and energy and then we'll kill them. <laughs> no fear, no panicking, nothing. And this is, this is why I consistently tell Jesus followers that following Jesus, whilst it's an individual decision, it's a team sport. You, can't, you have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't effectively follow Jesus by yourself. And Jesus doesn't call us to follow him by ourselves. He calls us to do life together. That's one of the reasons we're offering for our prayer team to pray for you this morning, to join our shield of faith with your shield of faith for maybe something that you're battling at the moment. Then he talks about the helmet of salvation. This one, I don't know, maybe when you first, this like, uh, what's this about? I don't, here's the deal. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, he actually one of the metaphors of what happens in that moment is that we become adopted, that God becomes our new father, our heavenly father, and we join his family, we join his household. I learned a fun fact a couple of weeks ago, watching, I don't know, something, and uh, they were talking about adoption, uh, that, and I didn't know this, that in, in many parts of the world, when you adopt a child, uh, the child's birth certificate actually gets changed. They, gen they, they generate a brand new birth certificate with you listed as their new parents. How cool is that? Did anyone know that? Oh, yeah, you would. Um, well, the rest of us dummy, dummies, you know, we didn't know that, all right? How great is that? That, that, that the adoption is actually marked by you, not just... Uh, kind of moving into someone else's house, but no, you legitimately become part of their family. And here's what, we call that salvation. That's the churchy word. When we become a follower of Jesus, it's called salvation. And we move in that moment into God's household and the devil, he wants to move us right back out again. So he's gonna start telling us that the relationship that we think we have with God, it's not as secure as we think it is. He's gonna wanna kind of put this imposter syndrome on us that, come on now, you don't really, you in God's household, yeah, right, as if. And here's the thing, you know that you don't belong there. You know because you still think some things that you like, I hope God wasn't listening. And God's like, no, no, I was listening. You do some stuff and you think, boy, I hope God wasn't watching. And God's like, no, no, I was watching. Yeah, I saw that. I know. I saw, I, 
And you're like, man, I'm a Jesus follower and yet I still sin. I still do dumb stuff. And the devil's like, yeah, well, then you don't belong. You, you need to move out of his house before you get kicked out because you got found out. And you take off the security, the head of salvation. By the way, let me give you a little bit of Bible College 101. There is a difference between salvation and, here's another churchy word, sanctification. That in this moment of salvation is when we have our relationship with God restored. Then we live on this earth for the remainder of our life in a process of becoming more like Jesus. It's a process, so we still do think some dumb stuff and still do and say some dumb stuff. Hopefully, as we continue to grow and follow Jesus, there'll be less of that, but it still happens. The devil tries to weaponize that against us and we take off the helmet. So Paul says, no, no, keep that on. You, you belong in God's household and you're in a work in progress. And then he talks about the sword of the spirit, which he says is the word of God, the Bible which you might have a paper version or a digital version, but the words are the same. Uh, when I preached on this in our Bulletproof series, I actually uh, did bring in a sword. I think we've got a, a picture of that here. Uh, have we got the sword? No sword? Really? Well, that's not it. I mean, I mean, I have a degree, but I don't think you need to have a degree to, to see it. Well, anyway, I had a sword. It was... Yeah, so it's a pretty big sword. By the way, Reese, I distinctly, Reese lent that to me. I don't even want to know where you got it from. Uh, Reese, it's probably better that we never find out either. Uh, you were sitting in the front row, if I recall, and, and I was, I had this, and I remember at one stage, you pretty much lost your lunch because something was about to happen involving that sword. What was that? I mean, there was no one else on the stage. Was I, was I in, in, was I about to kill myself? Like, anyway, it's a pretty big sword. Is a long sword. And I like it. I think that's the point. This is a sword. So here's the thing. If you choose to consistently study and learn and apply God's word, you're rolling around with something as threatening and as deadly as this kind of sword. Problem is that too many people who are Jesus followers kind of read Facebook more than they read God's word kind of scrolled the gram more than they use their Bible app. And I'm not telling that to judge you or shame you, but what I'm saying is you're now maybe at best carrying around a butter knife and, 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 and thinking that the devil's scared. Well, he's not. Here's the thing. And I, can you imagine Russell Crowe in the Colosseum with a butter knife yelling to the crowd, are you not entertained? And they're like, is that a butter knife? I think it's a butter knife. He's got a butter knife. Why would he bring a butter knife into the colors? He's going to get killed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I remember, I remember when I was a kid and, and went to, 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 to Sunday school. And I remember something that I learned there. Yeah, that, that's, uh, uh, no, I don't really remember that, actually. Uh, no. Or, or, or some kind of spiritual sounding meme pops up and we're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a student of God's word. And you're like, no. That, you're walking around with a butter knife. Like, literally, you idiot. Like, why would anyone do that? Like, and the reason that's funny to you is because it's funny to the devil as well. Because it's absurd. It's preposterous. Why would 
if you know you're in a battle, why would you think that a butter, why stop at a butter knife? Go and get a sword. And the only way we can do it, and here's the thing about, <clears throat> I haven't taken my Captain Obvious hat off actually. Uh, here's the thing about God's word. You can't actually just kind of plug in a thumb drive and it all magically uploads into your system. It, the, it doesn't work that way. The only way it works is that day by day, week by week, month by month, year on year, you read and learn, read and learn. Oh, why would I need to do that when you can just Google it? If the devil's coming at you, you don't put your sword down and pick up Google. Just keep your sword handy. But you've got to prepare the sword. And then the final thing, it's like the bonus one, the seventh bonus one that um, Paul talks about is prayer. And uh, that, that it's kind of like everything has to be threaded with prayer. Um, and uh, I, I've been waiting excitedly for a while to be able to show this. This is a slice of uh, Frank Davies' spiritual battle. Uh, we're going to show that. Uh, our prayer team's going to come down the front. Our music team's going to come up when our music team starts uh, doing their thing again. Um, if you want to join your shield of faith with our prayer team's shield of faith, then just roll on in and they'll pray for you. I'm not going to remind you of that. That's just going to happen. So look forward to that. And the rest of us will, will be worshiping while that's happening. But in the meantime, here's a little slice of... Oh, you put your glasses on for this, Francesco. You didn't put your, you didn't, you didn't put your glasses on to watch me preach, but you put your glasses on to watch you on the screen. All right, okay. I'm, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out of here. Hi, my name's Frank Davey. I'm a school teacher. I live in Les Murdy in Western Australia and the last two years have been pretty amazing in my life. Uh, two years ago, next month, um, I went to the doctor and had a blood test and my PSA or my prostate specific antigen, uh, it's uh, worrying if it's over four or five. And mine was 127. And the doctor said, look, I'm sure there's a mistake here in the lab. We'll send it, had do another test. We had another test that day was 129 and he very quickly sent me off uh, to a urologist who quite bluntly told me that I had uh, metastatic prostate cancer. The prostate cancer is irregular for men but the metastatic meant that it had um, spread through my body and uh, it had spread so far that in the prostate and then into the spine, into the femur, into the lymph nodes and uh, Again, very kindly, but bluntly, he said there's two ways we judge these things, how aggressive they are and how far they've spread. And he says, I've just told you they've spread there. And on the Gleason scale, you're an eight out of 10. So it's really aggressive. And this is a shock to the system. I was fit and healthy. And suddenly I'm told I've got uh, cancer that spread through my body. And I remember going, in the bone? And he said, yes, in the bone. Uh, he sent me off to an oncologist and uh, she arranged, we had 18 weeks of chemo, six sessions over three weeks. And um, when I came back at the end of the chemo and spoke to her and I said, look, I want to fight this. And she says, I'm going to be blunt with you. You don't get better from this. Uh, hopefully we'll give you five years, maybe 10 years, but you don't get better. And that was a bit of a shock to the system. And um, people prayed for me, people around the world were praying, which was wonderful, all churches, Different people we knew were, I was on their prayer list, Manjimup, um, England, throughout Perth. And uh, 
when I'd just been, even before the chemo, my little grandson, who was six at the time, uh, he was looking upset. My daughter said, what's the problem, Levi? And he said, I'm upset about Poppy. And she said, do you want to go around and pray for him? He said, yes. So they drove around and I'm there. And I said, oh, what are you guys doing here this time of night? And uh, Nicole said, Levi wants to pray for you. So I went to a, a room and knelt down. The six-year-old boy laid his hands on me and he prayed for healing. And then he, when he said amen, he said, Poppy, God says you're going to be healed even before the operation. And uh, this was pretty mind-blowing. And a couple of weeks later, all my family, my kids, their spouses, the grandkids all laid hands on, on me and prayed for me. Uh, even another specialist I went to for a skin cancer removal and uh, he heard what happened, he's a Christian guy, and he said, can I pray for you? So it was wonderful, the amount of prayer. Anyway, he we went through the chemo and uh, went back to the oncologist and um, she said, oh, I've, I'm just downloading your report. I had a PET scan beforehand. A PET scan is a radioactive, they put radioactive isotopes into your bloodstream and they take a CAT scan and mine came up. Any cancer comes up, high visibility yellow. And my prostate was full, chock full of cancer. And you could see it in the femur, in the spine, in the lymph nodes. Then we went back, you know, six, eight months later and had another PET scan, another thousand dollars, sadly, with no uh, rebate. And, uh, but it was a wonderful thousand dollars to spend because this time the PET scan came, the radioisotopes, I took the CAT scan and there was nothing there. And the oncologist, a quiet lady, she was nearly jumping out of her seat. She goes, this changes everything. This changes everything. And uh, the report had said complete metabolic reversal in all forms of cancer. Basically, that means it's gone. There's none there anymore. And uh, I'd been healed, praise God, um, even before the operation, because even though the cancer had gone, the urologist said, you know, let's be on the safe side. Let's get rid of the prostate, because it may come back again. Um, so I was healed before the operation, just as Levi had prophesied. And I praise God for that. And the thing that I don't understand why me. I'm not a good person. So many people more deserving. But we sing a song here at Elevate that says, um, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. It's God's reckless love for me. And for some reason, God's reckless love touched me and changed me and healed me. I'm now back at work full time and loving life, full, healthy, back on the bike, back on the kayak, my wonderful grandchildren around me. And I give God the glory because he did it. He healed me. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.